Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuckers Bryant. Did I say that last time? My name like that? Yeah. I don't know. You might have just said, I don't know. I wonder. We'll find out. Uh, how's it going? It's going great. We just learned something neat. What? Guest producer Noel, to our right. Yeah, hey, Noel. Your left. Um, our podcast today is on horseshoes. Yeah. He, he took that as a college course called Backyard Games. Yeah. <laughs> At Augusta State. Yeah. A real college course. And he said, bocce, right? Yeah. Uh, horseshoes, horseshoes and... Badminton. Was it badminton? I thought we couldn't determine. He yeah, said he said cornhole. badminton and then possibly um, lawn darts. Okay. <laughs> So, hey, college credit. Which, I don't know. I guess you'd have to apply to the uh, FTC, maybe, to get lawn darts as a college. Kind of like how you'd have to apply to the DEA to get some MDMA to carry out some sort of... Oh, on-campus studies yeah, or something. Yeah, some sort of um, study. Yeah. You'd have to... Lawn darts are illegal, man. Yeah. Big time. Do you remember those things? They were like well, killing kids left and right. Big time mean? Big time illegal. Like there's a task force like they're like, roaming the they're neighborhoods They're schedule of one backyard game, I think. <laughs> I bet you can buy them on eBay and stuff. Well, you could probably buy them on Silk Road. I was just about to say, yeah. <laughs> you got to go on the deep web to get lawn, lawn darts. darts. <laughs> uh, I played that when I was a kid, though, man. We had lawn darts. I was smart enough to not kill myself or anybody else with them. It's but funny looking it back tempting. at how dangerous that was. Yeah, and that was kind of like the end of that wave because, the, you know, at the time... And like for the a decade or two before that, probably longer, it was like you could get electrocuted by your toaster pretty easily. Oh, yeah. Like your humidifier was, there was a ninety percent chance it was going to yeah. catch fire while you were asleep. Remember the hydrochloric acid slip and slides? Yeah, right. Those were awful. Yeah, and they designed them like that so that they would be obsolete very quickly. <laughs> yeah. So they, the acid would burn them much more quickly, and you too, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so do you have a great setup for this? thrilling podcast to come I, I i'm hungry so this will explain this this setup have okay. you ever heard of a horseshoe sandwich no i haven't it is a local delicacy out of springfield illinois and it dates back to the early 20th century okay it's uh, for a, a full-size portion it's two pieces of texas toast love texas toast uh, nice hamburger patty or ham love both ham and hamburger well then you probably like them together yeah on each uh, Texas toast slice, okay, cover the whole. Put them next to each other. Mm-hmm. It's open face. Sure, cover the whole thing with fries. Love it, and then top it all with cheese sauce. Just like nacho cheese sauce. Um, I'm sure there's people out there who use cheese whiz, but from right. what from what I understand from my research, uh, it's more like a Welsh rarebit sauce. Okay, so like cheese with like um, uh, other stuff that makes it Welsh rarebit <laughs> sauce. But it's a horseshoe sandwich. And Sign me up. In doing research for horseshoes, that was one of the most interesting things I could come up with. <laughs> Again, I'm hungry, so it really jumped out at me. Yeah, why do they call it that? I didn't see. Because it doesn't. Because it's the size of a horseshoe. I don't know. It looked to be the size of a horse. Okay. Maybe the shoes underneath. Well, maybe calling it the horse sandwich was untoward, so they just horseshoe cued it up. Right, yeah. I'll bet that's exactly what it was. Well, anyway, shout out to Springfield, Illinois, right? Whoop. Home of the horseshoe sandwich. (laughs) Yeah. 
Um, and cardiovascular disease. Okay. So I know how you feel about horseshoes. I actually love to play horseshoes. Okay. I know how you feel about talking about playing horseshoes. That's super exciting. I find it, <laughs> I find it, it's, it's an interesting thing. All right. It's fun. Yeah. It's, uh, you actually do get a bit of exercise, especially if you play competitively. Yeah. My friend, you can burn as much if you're an average Joe yeah. as 150 <laughs> calories an hour playing horseshoes. You could work off a hard boiled egg an hour. <laughs> yeah. Or one hundredth of a horseshoe sandwich. Hey, and if you're playing in the backyard, maybe you've eaten some deviled eggs at a picnic because horseshoes yeah. and picnics go together like ants and picnics. That's exactly right. I actually love horseshoes. I, I got a set um, a few years ago when uh, my buddy Justin, who you know, mm-hmm. had a Fourth of July party, mm-hmm. and we set it up in his backyard and played. And now he kept them and uh, haven't played since. What's the deal? Well, I mean, he just I left them at his house, you know. You need was, to go get them. Those are yours. Yeah, but I don't have a... Actually, I do have an area, but, like, no one comes and hangs out in my backyard, <laughs> basically. Everybody hangs out at Justin's? Uh, yeah. yeah. Emily and I would play horseshoes together, but it's more fun with, like, a group. Well, sure. And that's one way you could play, individually, with two people, or with pairs. Yeah, and it says in the article you can play solo, but if you're playing horseshoes by yourself, That is then, sad. Yeah. That is a sad day for you. It is. Um, so, Chuck, let's talk about the... Uh, the origin of the horseshoe itself. Of the shoe? I got a little info on it. Not the game, the shoe. The the shoe. Okay. So, if you see a horse in the wild mm-hmm. running, it's probably running for its life. Horses naturally don't like to run very much. Of course not. Their feet get sore. That's why they don't run very much. Yeah. So right when humans said, hey, I'm going to ride that thing. Mm-hmm. They figured out we need to put something on its feet because its little feet get sore, and I don't want to hurt this horse. I'm trying to get it to run. Yeah. So probably in the Asian steppes about a 1,000 years, well, about 2,000 years ago. Okay. They started putting, like, booties on their horses. That's cute. With, like, herbs and, and something to soften the, the blow of the ground. Right. Uh, by the turn of that millennium, the first or second century AD, people were putting booties, leather booties, which the ancient Romans, I believe, called hippo sandals. They basically <laughs> put sandals on their horses. Finally, everybody realized all this was idiotic and you need to put metal on a horse. Right. And by 1000 AD, uh, like nailing metal horseshoes to the bottom of a horse's hoof was very common practice. Well, does that not hurt? No, because... Um, it's kind of like if you have your fingernail past your quick. Yeah. If you nail the nail through that, past the quick, not below the quick, but anything that grows out past the quick, that doesn't have any nerve endings in it, right? Yeah. So, no, it's very similar to that. It's like a huge, thick fingernail for the horse. That's what a hoof is. So it hurts them to walk on these, but it doesn't hurt to have people drive nails into them. Yes. Okay. Depending on how long the nail is. Now, you could easily use a nail that's too long sure. and drive it right into the horse's foot, which would be very painful. Sure. But as long as the nail is short enough, you're just driving it into something that has no nerve endings, and it prevents that foot that's on the other end, the inside of the hoof, uh-huh. from becoming sore from walking. Okay. Okay. So you want to use nails that aren't too long. Which is why there's this very specific um, trade 
called the, a farrier yeah. who knows what they're doing sure. with trimming horses' hooves, shoeing horses, that kind of thing. And there's actually a patron saint of farriers, Saint Eligius. He saint said, Eligius. Yeah. He said to have come across a horse that was ailing, remove the horse's leg, uh-huh. shoot it, and then put the horse's leg back on, and the horse is like fine after that. Sounds like hocus pocus magic to me. Right. Somewhere along the way, somebody figured out that a horseshoe makes for a pretty great stand-in for a discus if you bend it to close it. Yeah, like the ancient Greeks, maybe. Yeah, they were into it. Thanks, so, thanks for sitting through that intro. I saw a little blood come out of your ear. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, Greeks and Romans apparently played horseshoes, and uh, it like became a popular thing in the United States, like after the Revolutionary War. Yeah, and I guess it just caught on. Like, well, hey, let's throw these things. So the ancient Greeks were into discus throwing? Yeah. But you had to be wealthy or part of the military to have a discus. If you were poor, you had access to horseshoes. And if you bent the horseshoes to close them up yeah. and threw like them like a discus, you had something called quiots. And then one of them landed accidentally on a metal stake, and they went, I bet you can't do that again. Right. <laughs> I think they just got lazy and, and grew tired of bending the horseshoes. So they're like, we'll just throw the horseshoes as they are. Yeah. And that horseshoes is an ancient game. It's an ancient game, and it's played all over the world. It's not just for suburban American backyards. Uh, South Africa, Israel, Italy, to name a few. Yeah. I bet it's played the worldwide. Uh, and just here in uh, North America, apparently 15 million people play. Not necessarily competitive, but, you know, like Justin. Yeah. <laughs> Steal your horseshoes and play with them. Uh, and that is according to the National Horseshoe Pitchers Association, or NHPA. Yeah. And like every sport... There is an official governing body, and they set the rules. They host tournaments. Um, I imagine they sell T-shirts and hats. <laughs> they, there's also a rock star. Who? Uh, his name's Alan Francis. Oh, uh, what, I thought you meant a real rock star. He's like the, the rock star. The rock star, star of horseshoe throwers. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's his deal? He's just super great? Yeah. yeah. They, there's apparently no sports figure in any in all of sports who's who dominates more than he does. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This guy, <laughs> this guy, listen. He's the most dominant sportsman in the world? Yes. Okay. Yes. He has won 14 <laughs> of the last 17 men's world championships f- at the NHPA championships. So what's his name? Alan Francis from Defiance, Ohio. So when people say, like, he's the Michael Jordan of horseshoes, what they should say they sh- is Michael Jordan is the Alan Francis of basketball. Right. They really should. This okay. guy has, a, you know, w- which we'll get into, but you throw a horseshoe and what you want to do is throw a ringer. Yeah, sure. He's got a 90% average. 90%. Nine times out of ten when he throws these things, it's a ringer. Not That's a good. leaner. Not in count. It's a ringer. No one uh, walking the earth has a, a <laughs> ringer percentage like that. That is a maze. If you want to learn more about Alan Francis, by the way, read Perfection in the Horseshoe Pit from New York Times. By Josh Times. Clark. <laughs> right. You yeah. wrote a book about him. That's it's, sweet. It's a. It's cool. I think it's cool that there's a guy out there who's like unbeatable. Yeah, I'm pretty good at horseshoes. This guy would wipe the floor with you. Well, of course he would. He's the best athlete in the history of humanity. Of sport. <laughs> but all I'm saying is I'm pretty good at horseshoes, and I assume it's because I uh, pitch softball. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's probably got some, you know, similar motion. Yeah, they they are they are similar. And I'm athletic. I'm not one of those people that gets a horseshoe and like throws it behind them or <laughs> over like on the picnic table or anything like that. 
<laughs> you know? That's good. So that means it's your spectator-friendly horseshoe thrower. That's pitcher. right. All right, so let's get into this. Um, pitching is what you call throwing. The shoe is about twice the size of a regular horseshoe, yeah. first of all. It's not like a little horseshoe. You pitch to see who goes first, closest to the, the stake goes first. <clears throat> and we need to say right off the bat that there are real rules and there are house rules. Right. I'm always a house rules guy. Yeah, so you anything. play by by Justin's rules. <laughs> well, we we co-determined the rules since I bought the kit. Oh, okay, I got it. <laughs> but if you went to, say, um, Jake Gyllenhaal's house, yeah. and he, he was playing horseshoes, and you would play by his rules, you wouldn't be like, uh, according to my rules. No, I'd say, Jake, first of all, what kind of name is Gyllenhaal? And then I'd say, secondly, what are your house rules? Because I will abide. I respect the house rules. Okay, cool. But since we bought the kit together, then we, we I made up our own rules, basically. I just wanted to make sure that's what you're saying. That's what I figured. And that's one of the points of a game like Horseshoes, is you can play and make up your own rules. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. But we're going to tell you how to play a real game if you're into that as well. Yes, according to the NHPA. Right. So you pitch to see who goes first. Um, the, the object, if you don't know this by now, <laughs> is to throw your horseshoe uh, and have it ring... The, the metal stake that is driven into the ground that we'll tell you about in a second. If you so didn't that know that already, raise your hand so we can send someone to come <laughs> lay on top of you until you pass out from unconsciousness. Exactly. Uh, games are made up of innings. Um, you play in pairs and you throw two horseshoes. You, you throw both your horseshoes and then the next uh, dude or dudette throws their horseshoes. You no. don't alternate one and one right. unless you want to per house rules. House rules. And now there are like some details to these rules that like I, I wasn't aware of. Like oh, you sure. have to pitch both shoes in thirty seconds. Again, it's like it's like rules. speed chess. Yeah, in the park. Yeah, but if you're taking longer than that, like what are you doing? Are you measuring the the air? Like you're just like drinking beer and like talking to people who are watching like a yeah, jackass. Get your head in the game. Exactly. That's you know? what that rule does. <laughs> That's what I say. Yeah. All right. So I guess we should go over the the court and all that stuff of like regulation. So if you get your horseshoes, you at least know how to set it up. Well, hold on. Uh, what's the end of the game? And, and Oh. So if we're playing one another? Yeah, yeah. We're both pitching toward the same stake. Yes. You pitch your two in 30 seconds. I pitch my two in 30 seconds, and that's an inning. Yes. And there's no set number of innings, but normally people will play until you get to 40 points. Yeah, I've seen that the common backyard horseshoes, you play to 21. Yeah. But um, I think a regulation tournament, you're going to play to 40. And it depends. I also saw, like, Philly rules and stuff like this. Oh, like, yeah? Yeah, people get local, you, you know. You get a punch in the stomach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's called a court where you, where you play. And if you want to play horseshoes in your backyard, it, you need to have, like, a level, wide-open area. Mm-hmm. You can't, like, you don't want to play it on a hill. And there's actually a lot of schematics online if you want to build your own horseshoe court. All right, so let's go over the, the basics of the court, though. It's 46 feet long by 6 feet wide. Yes. You've got two pitching platforms, which is where you throw from, each six feet square. Yeah. And you've, uh, you're you supposed to have protective backboards. I've never seen that. No, I mean, I'm just like, I guess this is so it doesn't like, you know, tumble on and hit the guy at the beer keg. Right. But I, I usually just dig a pit, you know, and like the Chuck House rules once again. So what is it then? Like, uh, how do you lay out like where the end of the box is? There's really not an end of the box <laughs> for you. Chuck House rules. I got you. I'm with you. You're either ringing it, you're leaning it, or you're closest to the right. pin, um, or closest to the stake, I guess. All the schematics I've seen are like, man, it is a defined oh, box. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like bocce. Like, it's a real deal. Right. 
Um, so you've got two stakes. Uh, they are iron rods about 36 inches long, one inch wide, and they are staked toward each other at a, roughly a 12-degree angle, about halfway in. Mm-hmm. It says about halfway. I would think that would be like really specific, like how many inches above ground. Uh, yeah, I would think so, too. But and I didn't find that. Apparently, you're also supposed to stake it four feet from the back of the box, but two feet from the front of the box. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Okay. Um, chop up the, the soil or sand if you really want to go the extra mile. Yeah, you should. If you're going to build yourself a horseshoe pit, <laughs> get some sand. <laughs> uh, you've got foul lines at 27 feet and 37 feet from each stake, and that determines where you're going to throw from. Um. They say adult men pitch from 37, and ladies and old people and kids pitch from 27 or shorter. That is sexist and ageist. Agreed. Um, I say pitch from wherever you feel comfortable. Yeah. House rules. And they, they say the backyard games are similar, but like it's usually not like it's either like sand or asphalt pits or something. Whatever you can, whatever you can accommodate is yeah. what I say. Yeah. If, it's, if you don't have that many feet, like make it shorter. Right. You know? But then you have to handicap your score. Really? Yeah. Okay. My house rules are very unforgiving. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I never play horseshoes with you anymore. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about pitching then. Oh, okay. You want me to? Yeah. How do you pitch a shoe? What's what's what are the two methods? Well, first let's talk about the anatomy of a shoe. Let's not forget that horseshoes are derived from actual horseshoes, which were put on horses' hooves. So if you're holding a horseshoe, so that the two prongs are at the bottom. Mm What's at the top, then, is called the toe. The open space, the the opposite the toe, that's the heel. Yeah. And then the two, um, I guess, parts at the end that kick in inward toward yeah. the heel, those are called calks, right? Yeah, and I would have... It's backwards in my head, but then when you think about how it sits on a horse's foot, it right. makes sense. Exactly. But I would think the heel would be heel would be the part you hold, but it's not. It's the, the reverse. Right. Because how it sits on a horse's foot. To, yeah, exactly. Now, if you want to throw a, a uh, we're going to teach you right now. Yes. How to pitch a horseshoe two ways. Yeah, and you got shanks too. I don't think we mentioned that. Those are the arms. Yeah, that's right. So you've got the toe. Mm-hmm. The shanks coming down each side. The heel. The heel and then the things that kick in are called the caulks. Yeah, the heel caulks. The heel caulks, right. All right. So uh, if you want to uh, carry out what's called a single flip pitch, this is probably the easiest. That's me. Is this you? Sure. This is the easiest, but Alan Francis does this too. And from what I'm finding, a lot of pro or uh, really good horseshoe pitchers use this single flip pitch. Uh-huh. So what you do is you grab the thing using your thumb and your index finger, or your thumb and your uh, index and middle finger. Yeah. You squeeze the toe between that. Mm-hmm. So you've got the um, the horseshoe level with the ground, horizontally level with the ground yeah. above it. And uh, you bring your arm back like a pendulum. Yeah. You raise it up again. Uh-huh. You swing it back and forth until you can feel it. <laughs> and you got to do it within 15 seconds because you got another one to pitch. Yeah. But right when that thing feels right... You let it go when it hits eye level with you. Yeah, roughly. Whatever feels comfortable, but eye level is recommended. Right. You want to send it in an arc about six to eight feet into the air. Uh Uh-huh. And you can, in this method, the thing might turn 360 degrees once. That's why it's called a single flip method. But more often than not, if you're a pro, your shoe does not turn at all. It follows the arc, but it stays flat the whole way. Yeah. And then right before it gets to the stake, the heel caulks drop uh-huh. 
and hit that uh, steak and ring around it. Yeah. And everybody goes, yee-haw, like <laughs> takes a sip of corn whiskey, and they carry you off on your shoulder, on their shoulders. That is the flip pitch, the single flip pitch. Uh, more advanced players, and they say that this is an easier way to get ringers if you're if you can master this, you know, if you spend enough years right. mastering the quarter turn. Right. I'm sorry, the one and one quarter turn, not the quarter turn. And there's other ones, just like three quarter turns, one and three quarter turns. Sure. This is the standard other one. Yeah, for a one and a quarter turn, uh, you hold the horseshoe by the shank. Uh, so the opening is to the left of your grip if you're right-handed, opposite if you're a lefty, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you swing your arm back and forth like a pendulum, just like you were going to do with the flip pitch. And then uh, I get that you let it go lower. Is that right? Yeah, usually when it hits like your thigh area. Okay. Which I think would give it a higher arc is the difference. Right. Or but a sharper you, arc. Yeah, but you want to keep that shoe level to the ground instead of flipping it. <clears throat> uh, it's turning, I guess, uh, turning a quarter until yeah. it meets, you know, the stake. Right. Obviously, your your goal there with the turn is to meet the stake with the, the I was about to call them prongs. <laughs> Cocks. <laughs> After we just went over all that. The cocks facing the uh, the stake. Right. And then you've got yourself a ringer. Everyone drinks corn whiskey and, and raises their glass. That's right. For more corn whiskey to be That's poured right. into it. So if you get close, you get no points, right? Because close doesn't count in horseshoes. Uh, close only counts in <laughs> horseshoes and hand grenades. Oh. Yeah. Is that where that comes from? It does. I was being coy. Yes, obviously you get points by being close. That's where the axiom comes from. Yeah, it's it's called an in-count. So let's, let's say you and I have just both thrown. Yep, that's one inning. We're going to go score our inning. Yeah. Um, let's say I threw one wild because I've had a lot of corn whiskey from all the ringers I threw previous to this round, this right. inning. Before I got there to witness it. <laughs> and, huh? Well, I'm just saying, like, you're lying about how many ringers you threw. I get there and you're like, earlier I threw 12 ringers. All right, okay. That's why I'm drunk. <laughs> so so uh, I throw one and it's out of the out of the court. Yeah, that's out. That's dead that's a dead shoe. It doesn't count. Yeah, not a dead ringer. No, but there are such things. Yes. We'll explain that in a second. Um, but I did throw one, and it hit the ring, and it spun around, and we're doing the uh, all count or count all scoring. Yeah. Which means that I get three points. That's great. A ringer, a ringer is three points. It's the highest you can score Okay. For a you, single pitch. You threw a ringer, too, and um, you threw yours on top of mine. Yeah. You got three points for that one. Yeah. And then your second ringer, it stayed in, and not only did it stay in, it fell and is leaning now vertically up against the stake. It's not around it, but it's just up against it. It's called a leaner. Yeah. That's worth one point. I think that should be two points. It depends. Some people do score at two points. Chuck House I've rules seen, is two. I've seen videos that that's one. Yeah. I, I think mm. this is just my opinion. I think it should be three, two, and one, not three, one, and one. It makes sense. And the one that I think you under your house rules counts as one point, no matter what, everybody counts as one point, is one that lands within six inches of the stake. Yeah, well, how we play is um, you just measure with another horseshoe, and if it is uh, within the length of the two cocks, right? You know, that's what we measure. I don't know if that's six inches or not. Yeah, but that's what we use. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so. Three, two, and one, or three, one, and one, depending on how you're scoring. That's the count all method. Yeah, I don't get this other method. Okay, I'll explain it to you. 
It doesn't make sense to me. It, it, it does. It took me many times, and I actually had to watch a video to get it. It's complex, but it's not really. Okay. It's just sometimes the rules of games are hard to write down yeah. to get across in writing. Agreed. Um, so the other method of scoring is called cancellation, right? And so in cancellation rules, that one that I threw out that's out, it doesn't count either way. Yeah, sure. Remember I threw that ringer? Yeah. You threw that ringer on top of mine. Mm-hmm. That canceled out my ringer, which made my ringer and your ringer, they cancel one another out. See, that's what I don't get. What's the point? A that's dead the same ringer. thing as both of us getting three, both of us getting zero. Okay, it's true, but... Does that just keep the score down or something? It does. I think also, uh, if you're really good, you know how to cancel other people's points out in addition to scoring yourself. But yes, it does. I think okay. it extends the game, too, really, because yeah. cancellation... Uh, I mean, like, that keeps the points down, and if you're trying to get to 40 points, that's a long game. Yeah. Um, but that one that you threw that's leaning, I didn't throw one like that. So there's not one for you to cancel out mine, which means you get your points, whether two points if you're playing at your house or one point if you're playing at a tournament. I get it. So cancellation is just if you do something that's the same as somebody else, they cancel one another out. And then if there's something that's like yours is closer than mine, that you get that one point. Okay. I, I mean, it makes sense, I guess, in a way. And then the, I like to score points, so I would just give everyone points. Right. Well, yeah, that's the thing. In cancellation points, I'm not going to win any points like be, because yours is if yours is closer, yeah. even if mine is within six inches of the stake and yours right. is within six inches, yeah. if yours is closer, you're the one who gets the point. I don't. So it's all like I'm getting all the points in this inning, yeah, not yeah. you. I got gotcha. you. But, yeah, that makes for a long game, I would guess. Although yeah. if you have people who are just throwing ringer, 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 True. A game would probably go by like in a, in a blink of an eye. So cancellation rules are probably for people who are really good at horseshoes. Yeah, and I've also seen where a lot of times uh, you play to win by two. I don't know. Is that the official rule or is that house rules? I didn't see that anywhere. I saw first first person to get to 40. Okay, that may be a, a house rule or a local thing. Yeah. But I'm always a win by two. Like It ping sounds pong. a lot like what you're describing is volleyball. Play to 21, win by two. That's ping pong too, right? Maybe so. Oh, I think we happen upon a magical rule that permeates almost all games, <laughs> backyard or otherwise. Uh, fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. You got anything else? No. I it, As much as I tried. <laughs> Be careful. Yeah, and if you have lawn darts, turn them into your local government because you're, you're not supposed to have those. Yeah, they're hoarding those for the, uh, the apocalypse. <laughs> those are going to be valuable one day. Yep. Message break? Not yet. All right. If you want to learn more about horseshoes, or if you just need a handy printout of these rules for your own home horseshoe court, just type horseshoes in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, and it's all right there for you. Uh, and since I said horseshoes, now it's time for message break. Uh, and now it's time for listener mail, huh? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to call this Burning Man Correction. Okay. Because... Uh, you know, we've never been. We didn't get it all right. That was a tough one. We've never been to CERN either, but we still talked about Large Hadron Collider. Yeah, but we learned with Listener Mail that uh, burners take their burning seriously. Okay. Let's hear about it. And I feel terrible because I don't have her name, and I apologize about that. Anonymous but he- Burner. But here it is, Miss Burner. Uh, hey, Chuck and Josh and Jerry. I was so excited when I saw you did a podcast on Burning Man, I couldn't wait to listen. I went to Burning Man five times Wow! from uh, 2000 to 2005, so she knows what she's talking about. I don't know if y'all would um, 
I didn't know if y'all would get it since you've never been, but you nailed it. <laughs> you made me laugh out loud a number of times. Uh, some people get all serious about it and pretend that it's not all about sex and drugs, but just let me tell you, sex and drugs are a huge part of it. That place wouldn't exist without hallucinogenics. I have seen police there, and that's the one thing you got wrong. I have a friend who was actually arrested for drugs there. Oh, man. So there's definitely a police presence. Uh, the man is everywhere. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. I just wanted to add also, even though it's not a music festival per se, you can really catch some great uh, acts there on the down low. Uh, we saw Paul Oakenfold wow. there in 2000 uh, when he was one of the world's top DJs. Uh, there was no advertising, just word of mouth that he was there. Uh, we rocked up to see him spin an amazing set <laughs> to about 300 people. Uh, it's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Very intimate. He's, that's a big name. Um, another cool brush uh, was with music legend Perry Farrell. Uh, we saw him dancing at sunrise and asked him to come over to our uh, place to eat cheese and crackers with us. And he did. Uh, he's really, really nice guy and really, really high. And <laughs> in the Burning Man spirit, there was no sense of them being famous people uh, or being anything other than just uh, part of the city like the rest of us. All are equal on the playa. That's cool. And uh, maybe it's good I don't have her name. Yeah. She just disappeared into the playa. Exactly. Like a mirage. So we appreciate that correction, and uh, thank you for the kudos. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, we appreciate that. If you want to uh, correct us on something we got wrong, uh, we uh, always love those. Thank you for everyone who, who has ever written in to correct us. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us a correction via email at StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. And you can go check out our website, our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. This episode of Stuff You Should Know is brought to you by State Farm.